The theme for the evening talk is love and uh, freedom. <coughs> this morning while coming over in the car, I was listening to the morning uh, news and the probability is that most of the people in this room are willingly or reluctantly um, members of the uh, EU, the European Union. Years ago, don't remember, it used to be called the um, European Community, but then they decided it wasn't a community after all, and thought of it as a union, so it got changed to the European Union. Well, um, uh, yes, yesterday, and some of us would say at long last, all 20 commissioners of the European Union all resigned en masse. And the reason for the decision was that there was a very damning and severely critical report of the commissioners 144-page investigation into them, and it was found that, or alleged, that of corruption, and fraud, and cronyism, those of you who don't know the word cronyism, it's a kind of uh, looking after one's own, um, apathy, indifference, all sorts of severe criticisms and one of the commissioners, a former Prime Minister in France, had appointed, it was said in this report, her dentist as a scientific advisor <laughs> to the European Union. And it's just, I think, one example you may think this has got nothing to do with love and liberation, you're probably right, but it's just one example of situations among an increasing number that we hear amongst our leaders and authorities of uh, corruption, you know, sometimes financial, um, moral, political, uh, etc., and within our institutions, whether it's uh, the police or the judiciary or the uh, uh, Olympic Committee and countless other forms of uh, scandals which keep emerging. And one wonders what's going on in all of this that we keep seeing this again and again and again. And obviously it's to do, amongst the many factors, with desire. It's to do with apathy and indifference. It's to do with a cynicism and, and a complacency. And one puts together certain psychological factors which creep in over time, often affecting people of immense privilege, substantial incomes, breathtaking travel expenses and other expenses, 
and it seems to become the breeding ground for disconnection, lack of compassion, lack of care and responsibility, and a tremendous indifference. And in the case, of course, of the uh, European commissioners, don't even have to be elected. Tremendous power, huge budgets to spend their money on, and not accountable to us who pay the taxes. And just appointed by two commissioners for, uh, by each of the uh, governments. And this kind of thing which goes, goes on again and again, when, it, when we step back from the ex- outer expressions of all of this, what we're actually looking at again and again is and are the condition of states of mind and the impact of those states of mind. And the unwillingness to examine it either personally or outwardly, as would seem to be the case with the commissioners. And those of us who have any little knowledge and contact and political awareness have been saying this for years and years and years and finally there is some accountability some steps are actually initiated a report uh, is made and some of us will say well not a day too soon gone on for far too long outward things uh, like that ought to be apart from raising our voice of concern and criticism, but also and equally ought to be a reminder to each and every one of us to be vigilant about our uh, condition of our own inner life and say that all of that which goes on, which you and I find distasteful, is somehow some statement of lack of access to love, lack of access to deep connection and when that begins to happen the substitute for for that becomes self self-interest I, me and my or it would appear like with the commissioners and the, other, and the Olympic body and the police and the judiciary and all the other forms of corruption that we keep hearing about a kind of collective us which holds on to what it has and is and is finds it difficult if not unwilling to step out and and come to terms and look honestly and clearly at what needs to be looked at and whatever it is that needs to be changed the willingness to do that the willingness to make such, such steps in dharma language shows awareness, shows an integrity, and therefore is a demonstration of what love is. I mention all of this because sometimes we have a feeling or concept or an idea around love in life in a, in a kind of, as I said last night, um, rather exclusive way of something only to deal with matters of the heart in that kind of obvious, tangible, sometimes loving, romantic 
kind of sense. But sometimes the manifestation of the heart may not necessarily be in that tangible way, but for some people the manifestation of the heart really is through their mind. It's really those men and women who are willing and who are able to uh, speak up, to put their voice out uh, on the line and to use their scholarship, to use their research, to use their analysis, to use their investigation, to use their determination for accountability. And when people are, do, are willing to do that, that is an act of love. The commitment to peace, the commitment to justice, the commitment to fairness are expression uh, of that. What we find with ourselves, and again a number of you have referred uh, to this, how close, and those of us who have a critical voice in this world, know this edge, how close it is in life between critical faculty and blaming, being judgmental uh, and that reactive kind of voice. And knowing ourselves is the exploration, one aspect of knowing ourselves, of where that line falls. What is it to make a criticism? to voice a criticism, to express it in the various ways that we can do, body, speech and mind. Sometimes we make our criticisms with our body, we walk away from something or whatever. What is it to do, to do that and what is the difference between expressing uh, critical faculties in life and between being judgmental, in which we sometimes find either towards others or towards ourselves, kind of setting up our own little courtroom. And in the courtroom, we act as the prosecutor, we act as judge, and we act as jury, and then we pick somebody out of the retreat to be the defendant. Or <laughs> we pick somebody that we know or, or whatever, or sometimes, of course, we pick ourselves. We, 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 we put ourselves uh, and prosecute ourselves, judge ourselves, uh, act as a jury, and sentence ourselves to a, um, a lifelong sentence of being judgmental or something. So this movement that goes on inside of us needs some perception with regard to clarity, with regard to what is it? to show criticism, what is it to be judgmental? And sometimes we know that in our communication with others, let alone with ourselves, how easily it can be interpreted in a way which is not intended. One is, to use the buzzword of the last decade or two, we volunteer to give somebody some feedback. We say, well, it's only some, just giving you some feedback. And the person is unable to hear it as feedback. They feel that it's the voice of the executioner who is coming in to lay a heavy number. And we say, no, no, it's just some fe feedback which I think you ought to hear, or whatever. 
So it is not only from the inner life to the outer, in terms of love and clarity, but in its expression of it, it's not only the language which we use, but what's the attitude? What's the tone? What's the way of communicating? And if we are relatively clear and steady inside of ourselves, and we're in touch uh, with ourselves at the subtle uh, level, we should be able to know the difference in life from what is coming from clarity and uh, wisdom in life, and what is coming from a, an accumulated reactivity to. And that's part of keeping in touch and knowing ourselves and knowing ourselves and what's manifest. One of the vulnerable areas, of course, in all of this <coughs> are in finding uh, freedom of being, in this case freedom of being to express, uh, are in areas of life where there is a long-standing communication with somebody. In other words, quite often we will treat people we hardly know or just uh, very nominal communication or friendship with, sometimes far better than people who we call our loved ones. Sometimes the poor loved ones can seem terribly unloved ones, but we call them the loved ones, and sometimes we will say things to them which we would never dream of saying to 99.99% of the rest of the planet but we can say it to them because they're our loved ones. So, in the inner life and there, where there is relationship in continu and has continuity in time, sometimes such people can see or hear, as it were, the best and the worst in us. Why? How easy we can become intolerant and reactive and demanding and putting down and, and therefore losing kindness and awareness and connection and it's in the, with those with whom we have the most connection with. Just recently I was speaking to two friends both married, participating in the retreat and married for several uh, uh, years and they said that they've introduced into their life, into their, into their relationship, what they call quality time. And I thought, this is rather an interesting and, uh, I, um, I, I idea. One could draw already all sorts of conclusions. But, and what they found was, and this isn't unusual, Two people know each other, in this case, know each other, live with each other for several uh, years, and how easily the pattern gets set. The quality of the life, the communication, etc., gets set over a period of time and almost fixed. And thus, things which might need to be discussed, need to be said, need to be explored, simply don't. So what they have introduced is 
once a week for 40 minutes to an hour. They meet together and spend that period of time sitting towards each other and just exploring together things which they would need uh, and wish to talk about which haven't been touched upon over the last week or whatever. And two of them, this is uh, in uh, Germany, said to me, uh, the partner said to me, that they started this uh, a few months ago and just how important and beneficial it is because how easily things go unsaid, we all know, which need to be said and that making a time for that uh, helps for closeness, therefore for love, therefore for appreciation and the opportunity to attend to things which they appreciate or which were neglected or whatever. And they just use it, in fact, as a small example you know, of what I mean of, in a way, we need to be creative, we need to meditate, to contemplate ways and means that will actively contribute to opening up our life. Otherwise, we can just go along on the same old patterns. Love and freedom go together. <coughs> One of the important areas with regard to uh, expressions of uh, love and uh, explore in exploring and developing yes, is that one may have, and, that, and this may, may uh, grow as well, and that is um, love of Dharma, love of practice. And some of us have tremendous love of the Dharma, think it's a wonderful body of uh, teachings, and uh, the practices are genuinely down-to-earth, realistic and really suitable for any human being's existence wherever and whoever uh, we are uh, in this world. And it gives us the opportunity in, in life to see what tends to inhibit heart's expansion and, the, and in the heart's expansion what, li what limits the freedom as a result. And one of the areas, and was touched in, on in fact, by two or three of you today, one in the inquiry and else in one-to-one, and that is how easily in life something begins to form inwardly called a role, and the role then, whatever the role is, begins to act as a an obstruction. And it's vital in that respect that you and I generate and create time and we say and look at ourselves and say, okay, as a person, as an adult, what are the major roles that I experience in life? What 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 roles actually come to mind? <coughs> and then most of us would probably pick out three, four, five roles which affect us. And then we might say to ourselves, in the major roles of, that I have in my life, what area, and I'm just talking time-wise now for a moment, simple, what aspects of myself do tend to be most used, touched upon, affected, 
through the roles that I have. You know, someone might say, well, one of my role, major roles is um, I'm, I, I work, I'm developing my uh, career, I'm working in an office, I'm working in a business, I'm working in a factory or whatever it might be. And so that one looks over the, over the week and in a very general sense says, well, I have to spend a lot of my time using my mind. Facts and figures and information and computers and, and business meetings, etc. I have to use my mind. And then one looks over the totality of the week and says, my goodness, the amount of time I'm in my mind is a lot. Because come 5.30 in the afternoon and say, okay, I turn my mind off now, how easily it still keeps on going about what's gone on during the course of the day. Now, if one takes that on a, an accumulative level, if I spend a lot of time in my mind, it might make my mind strong. Yes. It might make my mind, I might feel mentally quite independent. I may feel quite mentally purposeful, but could it be at the expense of other aspects of my life? And therefore, heartfulness, uh, um, exercise, and physical life, spiritual awarenesses, the opening up of consciousness, intimacy uh, with the nature. So if you and I concentrate ourselves, I'm just using the mind as one example, that means language, words, concepts, thoughts, mental disciplines, mental training, career, etc. It could be at the expense elsewhere. And sometimes the same thing is actually going in reverse. We know lots of people with um, a great deal of heart. But sometimes so much heart can be as difficult as, as it were, too much mind. And there can be then pressures in the heart and emotional life is under pressure and then in that there's all kinds of reactions uh, which goes on and we say of this person gosh, her or his emotions are so swinging they're so up, up and down lots of feeling going on lots of emotion going on, yes but unfortunately not enough steadiness could one be spending so much time in the emotional life in the perceptions of other situations and oneself, that somehow it feels and it is seen for oneself and perhaps by others as well, somehow not to be well integrated into the totality of oneself as a person. If so, love won't be steady. If so, neither will, neither will freedom be accessible. So we make time to look at ourselves and in making time to look at ourselves to look to see which areas of our, of our life may need more developing because some areas are overdeveloped 
some areas are overused and then we generate this imbalanced state of being sometimes in all of this in looking at ourselves and looking at outer, outer situations which, uh, um, which take, uh, uh, take place sometimes there's a matter of the heart and a matter of the head and one isn't quite sure what to listen to which one is, which one is appropriate and in keeping and looking at ourselves we can take you know, for insight and understanding and knowing about ourselves, externalized situations and which are of public attention, say, and to see how do I respond to the information that comes? What part of it touches me or affects me? How, what, what, what goes on inside? About anything that's in the public arena, public, public domain. And, and to give an example of what I mean, um, those of you, some of you will know <coughs> um, that uh, a few months ago, the uh, former Chilean uh, dictator, General uh, Pinochet, uh, was held in Britain in order, because of a request by the Spanish uh, judiciary, for him to be extradited to Spain to be held accountable for the events during the 1970s in which several thousand Chilean citizens were tortured, executed and disappeared and he, <coughs> as the uh, general uh, and the uh, leader of the armed forces, the police and uh, the country and the uh, coup were uh, to be held accountable and they generated an extraordinary debate that went on what were our responses? some would say would say from the level and did say from the level of um, heart or other motive <coughs> reasons oh this is an old man he's turned 80 years of age I think he's just turned 80 years of age um, past is past we shouldn't be clinging to the past out of compassion let him, he hasn't got many years left on this earth uh, he's had a scare let him return home to uh, Chile uh, it won't do any good it could create divisions within the country and, <coughs> uh, and therefore let things which were part, had taken place and now in history let us move on and not cling and some would say that's the wise appropriate loving caring thing to do and others will take a different kind of view of such a situation and will say well, there was awful suffering severe abuse of human rights families of loved ones are still suffering over this there is responsibility, there is justice and accountability and therefore General Pinochet ought to be extradited to Spain he ought to be in the court and he ought to listen to the terrifying accounts of suffering that took place 
and 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 let the judiciary system and international law take its take its place. Some might say some using head wisely, skillfully, some uh, using heart. I'm using it more as a reference point for in situations which test and challenge and have an impact on us, what kind of response goes on? What's typical, if there is, for, for us? If there is impact from those so-called larger international situations, same thing goes on in our relationship with each other. Same thing goes on in our life with each other. We keep experiencing the general pinochets around us and usually in a softer form, thank goodness. <laughs> we, we keep finding people in our life who we call scapegoats or who we call responsible. And anyone who has spent any time in a community, and some of us have spent lots of time in community, will know how easy in the dynamics of community situation where the philosophy is love, peace and harmony you know, slightly change the language these days because of the hippie era, but you know what I mean and yet it's not long in community life before within the dynamic of it there's always going to be someone who's a problem and a bigger problem than the rest and if possibly after a week we don't get a chance to build up such a good relationship but if, I'm sure if we were here after a month or two or three months we would have firmly selected out who our general pinochets are in this <laughs> retreat and wish that they were also being extradited to Spain and, and along with him so the mind in its movement and in its roles, begins to build, begins to project, begins to fix others in uh, various ways, and there is a belief which goes on in it, <laughs> and in the belief which goes on in it, of course, at the expense of love and freedom. And yet it isn't always easy in terms of issues of justice, and issues of accountability, and issues of fairness and issues of safety to find that rhythm in life and that wisdom in life between love justice, peace and freedom. It isn't easy but certainly deserves far more care and attention than what our political leaders are willing to give it. Uh, talking of General Pinochet uh, I shouldn't really say this, but um, um, one, of, uh, one of my, some of you who have been in political circles will <coughs> be aware of the um, number of political jokes that uh, go around. <coughs> and of course with Bill and Monica, I mean, I'm not going to say any of those, but there are hundreds of them uh, cir circulating uh, uh, around. But one of my favourites was um, with regard to uh, General Pinochet going back to the late 70s or early, uh, early 80s uh, no, mid-80s and the General had 
uh, decided to uh, retire. I don't know if you, if you remember that incredibly grim picture of the general standing there and him in the middle, one of the most poor, shocking pictures. Anyway, so he decided that since uh, he decided to retire, and <coughs> so as his last gesture of authority, he said that he wanted his photograph, his head and uh, shoulders with his, all his medals across him, um, on the stamps. And every single stamp issued in Chile had to bear his photograph and the medal. And so they stopped all the stamp machines and the stamp factory went into full production for all of these stamps. And then a batch of them were sent to the general's palace. And, <coughs> no, no, sorry, a, a message was sent. And the message which went to the general uh, was from the, 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 the factory um, manager. <coughs> Said, we're very, very sorry, general. It's been a terrible, terrible mistake. The stamps won't stick on the envelope. <laughs> and, and the general got the message, called his chauffeur, and went racing, the general and the chauffeur, down to the stamp factory. What do you mean? The stamps won't stick on the envelope. And he went, nothing wrong with it. The manager turned to the general, oh, I'm so sorry, General. We were spitting on the wrong side. <laughs> so, sometimes, <laughs> in, in situations of people under pressure, people who are oppressed, and who, who can't find their voice, sometimes need the heart and need humour as a release for it. And that aspect of the heartfulness and, hu and uh, humour sometimes helps as a kind of releasing and diffusing valve. Not that it may change much, but at least in people who feel helpless and, and under pressure and unable to do anything, find some way for the feeling life to have some outlet. And so, not surprisingly, all over the world, behind closed doors, humour be becomes one of the vehicles to challenge corruption, to challenge the status quo, to challenge these kind of abuses that we hear. Finally, in looking at and attending to this uh, movement of the inner to the uh, outer. In the very silence and stillness of things, and this is an important aspect of this, as I said, one may have a great love of Dharma teachings, Dharma practices, silence, stillness, and meditation. And, there was, and as was put in the uh, uh, inquiry today, sometimes in the experience of what is taking place, we say, yes, I am wish to be awake, to be present, to be alert, to be really 
deeply connected with life and also the willingness that goes with it to find ways to open up our life and to see, and to be honest, as I said earlier, if we are concentrating too much in one area at the expense of. We may, generally, some may feel reasonably well integrated, reasonably well steady in the circumstances of things, and then one says in one's knowing of oneself and honesty, I experience a gap. I experience a gap between my presence as a human being, my wakefulness as a human being, and some, whatever it is, which is, I am told is fulfilling or brings to completion or is genuinely liberating or enlightening or awakening or being with God or whatever the language we might feel appropriate with. And I feel some gap. I don't feel there. I feel, hopefully, I'm moving, as it were, in that direction, but I experience some kind of gap. And it's not as though the gap itself stays the same. Sometimes, some periods, we look at ourselves and we say, my God, I seem to be so far from the truth of things. I seem to be so caught up in my own self, my own delusion. And then another time when, with some insight and some stability, one can feel really, as it were, on the edge, very close to something. One knows not what, but a sense of something which is liberating and something which is expanding, as the Buddha said, something which is immeasurable. And therefore, that sense of the gap between uh, can sometimes seem large, sometimes seem modest, so to speak, sometimes be very small, and sometimes we can feel on the edge of. All, of course, matter. Others may listen and say, well, I don't have any of that sense either, uh, what you just uh, referred to. But there are some people in, in the hall I know do have. In looking at that, when the gap is large, we feel so far away from something which is deep, which teachings keep pointing to, which the saints and the sages of past and present keep pointing to. When the gap is large, hopefully, we are willing and we are able to stop and to say, well, what's making this gap? What's going on in my life that I seem and I feel to be so far removed from something which the teachings, teachers, saints and sages of all the traditions keep reminding humanity about. Therefore, it's vital that we stop and ask ourselves and say, well, why, what's making this gap so big? We may not come to an immediate answer. We may not, it may not be obvious, but if we are attentive, if we are listening inwardly and outwardly, it will get clear to us what it might be or what it is or what the number of things are which we have to attend to if we're going to end this gap. Other times, as I say, in certain situations, we may feel much closer, a great deal of receptivity, and sometimes the point of sensing one is on the edge of something. There can be the tendency, again, as was mentioned today, uh, 
of tr- wanting to try harder, push the self harder, may be quite inappropriate. It may be necessary to just be in state of trust in those times and in those experiences there and just to be in a trust and let things come by themselves, so to speak. No effort, no will, no desiring, letting it come by uh, itself. And so in terms of our relationship, that one of the confirmations of the dissolution of gap is love. One of the confirmations uh, of that is a genuine sense of exposure to what is immeasurable. One of the genuine senses of the ending of the gap is a real, genuine, deep inner knowing of what freedom is. So if there is in our life that feels a lack of love or a restricted love, or freedom, or a sense of exposure to the immeasurable, then there is a gap. If there is a gap, let us stop and be aware of that gap. Let us ensure that we have time just to notice that gap. And at times, as I mentioned, sometimes it may feel large, and therefore we really need to uh, attend to that, and sometimes where it's uh, subtle and refined. And and if we give our being to exploring uh, all of this and going into it well and clearly, then nothing will stop the freedom of being. Nothing will stop that taste of the immeasurable. May all beings live with awareness. May all beings live with love. May all beings live a free way of life. Have a couple of quiet minutes together, shall we, please? Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.